We had a great plan for the summer, which didn't work out worth a flip. But looking back on it, looks like we got through the summer okay. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, And welcome to our podcast of November 3rd, 2010. It's really hard to believe it's already November, which... Um, is going on a year since we moved here <laughs> officially. But uh, the big big item today for us to consider is the summertime. Uh, looking back on our first ever summer that we've spent living here at Longleaf Breeze. And isn't it nice to be able to say that summer is behind us? Yes, it was. It was a pretty brutal summer, as we've noted <laughs> in some earlier podcasts. Um, we say I, it's behind us because it's fall according to the calendar. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, but that's been the case for more than a month. I guess what's changed recently is it actually feels cool now in the morning. Yeah, and it, it, it looks... I mean, it's kind of a gray day today. It looks like fall, and uh, yesterday morning started out that way. We actually went out to vote, do our civic duty, and it, you know, I was wearing my corduroys and a sweater, but by the end of the day, or by the middle of the day, I was outside working in my, once again, in shorts and a tank top, so um, we had a little lingering, at least early fall feel yesterday. This morning, we got up, and it was pretty much of a Mid-fall feeling. It feels cool out there. <laughs> yeah. The wind is blowing. Uh, there's a feel that uh, we may have a storm moving in, which the forecast tells us we do. And we have uh, low temperatures down in the 30s forecast, which is cool for here in Alabama. So uh, we're ready to call the summer That's over. Right. Um, I think we've talked before about what we originally planned to do. Briefly, it was to leave the uh, our little home wide open at night, close it up in the morning, and trap that cool air in the apartment so that we could enjoy it all day long. And it would slowly heat up during the day, but much more slowly than the outdoors. And then we would be able to open everything back up again at night. Um, and as we have described before, that didn't work because we trapped in too much moisture. Right, and and as we've talked before about the fact that we had to open it, open the apartment up at um, earlier in the day, even when it was warm outside, just to to get the humidity out. We were having mildew problems, so uh, we know that we and we found ways to deal with that by using our air conditioning off and on, and also um, a dehumidifier. Yeah, but the main way, main way we dealt with it was by leaving the apartment right. wide open all day and all night. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, in addition, in order to make right. it tolerable, temperature-wise, we had to use those other two items. But um, the use of the air conditioner and the dehumidifier was very limited. And that's, I, I guess it's important to me that we note that um, I calculated what it cost us to run the dehumidifier and the air conditioner during those short bursts in the middle of the day for mm -hmm. that roughly 10 days that it was so brutal. Right. And it was about $2. So total. that's not bad at that's all. That's not bad. Yeah, it's it's worth it. Um, and, of course, 
we need to talk about, uh, again, probably by way of review, why our design worked as well as it did. Yeah, and I'm, I'm proud of what we've done and how it performed over the summer. Yes, we did end up using the air conditioner and the dehumidifier briefly, but ever so briefly and probably not until late July yeah, at all. Yeah, when we had that really yeah. uh, brutal bout of hot weather. So briefly, let's go through the list. Uh, we've got a stack window in the ceiling above the air conditioner that constantly exhausts the warmest air in the room. Actually, the stack window's still open now. It's probably time for us to close Probably that, that time of the year. Yeah. Time to close it. <laughs> um, we have a light-colored metal roof that is totally separated by airspace from the ceiling of the apartment. There's free airflow between the, the roof and the ceiling, um, and so we don't have any solar heating of our ceiling. Um, during the summer, there is no penetration of the sun into the apartment because of the way it's designed. And we have that wonderful ceiling fan. Yeah, I would recommend those ceiling fans. Uh, what was the name of those uh, again? They're... It's a um, Gossamer yeah. Windward 3 Yeah, fan. Windward 3. They're, they're uh, state-of-the-art. They don't look like your old-fashioned uh, ceiling fans, Casablanca-type. Yeah, they look, look a little geeky. Yeah, actually, kind of space age, but so it works if, yeah, great. If um, if they were designing a ceiling fan for the Starship Enterprise, it would probably look like. Our <laughs> but it's fan. it's very efficient at moving air, which is why we wanted it. Exactly, but you know the main thing that worked for us through all of that, I think, was that we got used to it. Yeah, we got accustomed to the heat. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we lived in a non-air-conditioned apartment, well, some in Tuscaloosa as uh, when I was when a beginning we were, graduate student, and right. then um, in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois for a while. And, you know, that was a similar thing. We got used to what it felt like without air conditioning. Yes. So, uh, of course, the difference is where we live now is designed much better. The space is much more energy efficient and kept cooler better than either of those places. In fact, the one in Illinois that apartment was actually the third story of a three-story house. It's it was like, like living, living in the attic. It was. We were living in the <laughs> attic. So uh, we ended up breaking down and buying a window unit for that place. So this is actually, you know, uh, um, not our very first experiment with this, but we're finding that, yeah, you can get used to it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, But let's talk about what we might do differently if we were starting from scratch. If we were doing this differently, clearly this little home we've built is better designed to endure the winter than it is to endure the summer. Right. Um, the winter was so easy, and we fully expect this winter to be so easy. We got plenty of firewood. Got I think it will be. Got plenty of firewood <laughs> for the wood stove. We've got it well insulated. When we close it up, boy, it is tight as a tick, and it just feels great. It's nice and warm and cozy, and there's sun coming in through those south-facing windows, and I mean, keeping it warm is just no problem at all. So if I were to do it differently, I think I, if I tinkered with it, I would tinker with it by sacrificing some heating in the winter for cooling in the summer. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I might raise those south-facing windows an inch or two so that it takes a little longer for the sun to come mm -hmm. in. Right. I might 
uh, and by the same token, I might increase the overhang of the metal roof just a tad to, for the same reason. Um, and then maybe add an additional stack window. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, not sure, but you know, it, it could be that it would make a huge difference to have a stack window right out in the middle of the apartment, say, or something like that. Yeah, maybe. But, and, and certainly when we do build our lodge, we can incorporate some of these ideas. Yes, and the one thing we will, go, we will have going for us in the lodge that we could not do here in the, in the barn is we will have north-facing windows mm -hmm. in the lodge, which I think will have a significant impact because then you get ventilation from all four sides. Complete cross-ventilation, that's right. That makes a huge difference. Right. Yeah. During the summer here, we noticed that we didn't have any north-facing ventilation. And so it meant that we were dependent on ventilation coming from the southeast and west. And it would have been handy to have mm -hmm. some air moving through from a northerly yeah. direction. So. But, of course, during the wintertime, the good news about that is you have that big insulation <laughs> of space that keeps us from having northerly winds uh, and we've talked at us. before about what it's like for me i my little office area is in the shop which is the north facing uh, room in the barn and when i'm sitting at my desk working and that north or northwest wind comes rolling in in the winter time i can hear it hammering against that wall <laughs> and the door and saying i want in i want in well, we don't. We don't. Even, we're not even aware of that here in the apartment because no, we're it's not. completely separated from where we are. Um, so, uh, it does help in the winter time. It also makes it a little harder to ventilate it in the summertime. Right. So it's it's a trade off. But right. uh, anyway, and we can as we get into actually designing the lodge and hopefully building it before too long, we can talk about our strategies for dealing with the north-facing windows there, because we will deal with that. That's that uh, that's a good point, and you and I haven't talked about that in a while, but somehow we've got to figure out how to protect that space from that cold north wind mm -hmm. on the, the nastiest winter yeah. days. We have some ideas, so we'll, we do. we'll talk about that in, in future podcasts. Well, let's, well, well you yeah. were concerned that we would spend too much time talking about this. It looks like we're okay, so we're ready to move on and talk about something yeah, else. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I'm really interested in um, updating each other and everybody about what's going on in Veg Hill and with our other plantings. You were back out there today, and uh, yesterday, yesterday in a big way. Yeah, I spent a lot of time out there yesterday afternoon because I needed to plant. Uh, we'd had some reasons that we had. I couldn't get out there, not just the weather, but uh, commitments and, you know, master gardener classes, etc. But um, so I'd been putting off replanting lettuce. So that's one thing that went in yesterday. And and uh, what I had actually planted lettuce earlier, according to the Alabama gardening calendar. But because our summer temperatures lingered for so long, that lettuce actually bolted and went to seed and I had to pull it up. I hated to do it, but, you know, it was Great just necessary. Great biomass for our compost, yeah, but not much usefulness Not much otherwise. else, that's right. Um, so I started over. I had bought some um, other lettuces. I think I got some galactic and some uh, Paris Island romaine and some butter crunch, butterhead lettuce from Petals from the Past. And yesterday, finally got those plants in the ground. 
they look really nice. I think they will taste good. And um, also I planted some herbs that I had bought from Grow, Grow South. And that was uh, some dill, some onion chive, and some... Uh, oh, some more Italian flat pars parsley. I, I like parsley. And, uh, and you decided everything. to hold off on the garlic, I guess. Uh, yes, because I was reading, I have, my garlic has come in from, um, I think I ordered that from Southern Exposure, but the um, there, the instructions indicated that garlic really likes its soil pH to be between 6.5 and 7. Well, we were t telling you all a couple of weeks ago that we got our soil test results, and our pH is more like 5.2 to 5.8. Yeah, yeah, it's really low. So um, we have an appointment for someone to come do some liming Correct. at the proper at, at, on the fields in um, on Friday. So I thought, well, let's just wait till after that's finished. And we will take time to work that lime into the soil where you're planting the garlic, so it can begin having an impact right away. Right, because the lime, of course, is designed to lower the pH. So, um, raise I'll, the pH. I'm sorry, raise the pH. Yes, I was just talking about how low we are. Raise the pH. And um, so that I might as well, if the garlic really likes that higher pH, why not wait till the lime's in and then plant them? And here in Alabama, we're in good shape for time on that. Okay, good. So, and you also planted roses. I planted the antique roses, there are two of them that we received um, for our birthday from Petals from the Past, because I love their practice of giving birthday people who come. <laughs> if you happen to go to Petals from the Past on your birthday, you can get a free antique rose. And uh, we have the same birthday. We both showed up on our birthday because we were there for the Master Gardener tour and um, got so roses. Got two of them. And they we put them out on. Um, <clears throat> row seven on row seven on Veg Hill, which will be our ornamentals row. So they, they I prefer would... to call it the perennials row. I know you're you've used the or, the term the ornamentals okay. row, but you know we're thinking we'll probably end up putting asparagus on row seven as well. Yeah, so. the only reason I say ornamental for now is that we may have some things that are not perennials to go in at some point. But I see your point, and and I actually am hoping that most of the ornamentals I put in will be perennials because I do not welcome. <laughs> the prospect of having to replant <clears throat> every year. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, th so those those were planted yesterday. Also checked out on uh, checked up on some of how our little current veg um, is doing, and um, some good news and some bad news. The bad news is that the aphids have almost completely taken over what's left of the purple hull peas. And but we the, talked about, should we go ahead and bring them down since they obviously are not going to produce any more useful fruit? But there's some good news that goes with it. Great. There are ladybugs out there. And I, we're understanding that ladybugs prey on aphids. So we've decided, let's just let it be. Let's sort of watch it daily and see how the balance between ladybugs and aphids goes. And our hope, of course, is that this will be the signal to the ladybugs, hey, aphid buffet, come help yourself. Yeah, I'm kind of reluctant to get rid of that because I'd like to see those ladybugs get instantiated out there. And uh, I don't know ladybug habits or patterns enough to know whether, they, you know, if they're attracted at the end of the fall, will they automatically come back sort of like the is it the swallows to Capistrano or something? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have ladybugs saying, I remember I had some pretty good aphids there last fall. I'm going back. 
Um, but we do want to give that garden a chance to get in balance and sync with the good insects. I also noticed a number of ladybugs on the Henderson lima beans, which is another place I had had some, um, not aphids so much as just pests, problems, um, something eating the leaves of those when I put them out. Uh, we know we've got grasshopper issues still, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm just seeing more good guys out there, too. So I'm feeling encouraged about it. So am I. But the other bit of bad news is, if it, I don't know if it's a tomato hornworm, because I didn't see it yesterday or something, but not only was I missing a few more leaves from some of the tomato plants, um, but also there was a little pepper plant that was one that I had started from seed, and it finally had begun to look healthy. It was small. And yesterday I went out there, the leaves were all gone from that little plant. It would make sense for it to be hornworm. Yeah, it's a nightshade, yeah. just like the tomato. Yeah, so it probably is. The hornworms probably took out after it. Yeah, but either that or grasshoppers. Um, so that's, you know, that's a problem that we've had. Uh, the good news, though, is that the broccoli, I looked through the... Um, very translucent row cover that we have because we still have our row covers on that um, on those leafy greens, and I could see the heads forming in the broccoli, um, and of course the kale's going crazy. Which is so cool. Oh, I know, and the the collards and the cabbage and the Brussels sprouts are growing, but just to see the actual food part of that broccoli was. Just that was a real We're trip. sort of like kids on Christmas morning with yeah. that row cover. It's sort of like everything that's on row six is gift wrapped. And yeah. we can't wait to tear off the gift yeah. wrap and see what's underneath. And I know that our um, bug expert told us that our master gardener lecturer on insects um, said that if we got some rain, we might see a decrease in the grasshoppers. But I'm still seeing them out there and we've had some rain. Uh, but but fewer of them. I, I'm I'm not doubting that he was correct. But now I'm sort of thinking, okay, if we could just make it through to the first freeze or whatever it is, it's going to kill them off completely or right. drive them away. So we we thought we were going to get that first freeze this week, yeah. and now it's disappeared from our forecast, which is a little bit of good news for us because it gives us a little more time with sweet potatoes. Right. And it's also good news because it gives us a little more time for those tomatoes to ripen. Yes. My understanding is that those should be uh, harvested. The tomatoes should be harvested before we get freezing weather. So uh, I've got some nice, this is another bit of good news. We've got some beautiful tomatoes forming. We really do. They're this green. Is the, this is the best our tomatoes have looked all this summer. Um, yeah. So anyway, we're hoping to, to be able to give them as much time on the vine as possible. If not, we'll clip them before yeah. the time comes. Um, and uh, just a brief note, we had our first hailstorm here one day last week. You were asleep inside, and I was—I just happened to be outside dealing with something. I've forgotten what it was early in the morning, and I heard this kind of stuff going on. And yeah. said, wow, that's hail. And yeah. uh, But, you know, it's very light. We did no, okay, and we didn't notice any damage to our crops. So. No, these were very small hailstones. I would have been shocked if they had damaged anything out on Veg Hill or anywhere else for that matter. Um, we have not had a nasty hailstorm yet. I'm sure we right, will. Probably but. at some point, yeah. But anyway, we're just, uh, we were, I was glad to be inside that day, yeah. <laughs> that night. Well, I guess that's all the time we have for this week, but uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week. And in the meantime... Have a good one. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. 
We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.